0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for the program. He doesn't just write his law in your heart, he lives in your heart.
1: It's not just the law you've got written on your heart, you've got the author there.
0: When you enter into a contract, you have to sign on the dotted line, obligating you to certain behaviours so you don't do it lightly. When you enter a covenant, it's for life. Historically, it was ratified in blood. Needless to say, you don't enter into one of those lightly either. In the Old Testament, it's recorded that the Israelites failed to keep the laws of the Old Covenant. So the New Covenant was to be made in the blood of Jesus and was to replace the Old One. The New Covenant is Dr. Corbett's topic for tonight. Let's join him now.
1: Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 31. This is uh, almost the the climax of the book of Jeremiah, this is one of those passages that is almost verbatim quoted in the New Testament in a couple of places. One in uh, Hebrews chapter eight, and it's it becomes one of the preeminent Old Testament passages, and it's it's a really really important passage. But, but here we are; we're, we're almost halfway through looking at this book. And this is the new covenant. I can't do any more to this text than what I've done. I've underlined it, highlighted it, got sticky notes all around it. This is one of the most profound parts of Scripture. Verse 31 says this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. What, what may not be immediately obvious to you is this. The house of Israel, the 10 northern tribes who had been taken about a 100 years prior to this, taken by Assyria, and those 10 tribes were taken, dispersed. They, they, they didn't maintain a community. And so they were kind of known as the lost tribes. So the idea that Israel would once again be regathered and God would be able to do something with them seemed completely unrealistic, completely implausible. So the the idea that God would do something and bring them back together seemed impossible, just impossible. But God said he was going to do it. Whenever you hear things that sound impossible and, and they've got thus says the Lord after it, it's almost his signature. God deals in the impossible. Next verse, verse 32. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. So remember this, he says he's going to form a new covenant, not renew the covenant, Not just take the old one and tinker with it. Not just take the old one and reaffirm it. Not just take the old one and give it a different name. It's a new covenant. Not like the old covenant. We're going to contrast the old covenant with the new covenant in a moment. But notice this. God said that when he called Israel... Out of Egypt, it was like a groom coming to take his bride. See the word? Though I was their husband. You get an idea of how God felt when he established the old covenant. As a husband, as a groom, taking his bride, coming to collect her. He took his bride. And notice notice the heartache. My covenant that they broke. How does God feel? Well, this is something we I think we need to understand, particularly because of the new covenant, that when you break God's law. It's not just a law you're breaking. It's God's heart you're breaking. Karen was sharing over communion, you know, can we ponder the, our shortcomings? Can we ponder our sin and go through them and repent of it? And, it's, and in one sense, we can't possibly begin to. But in another sense, don't worry about the, the quantity. Can we ponder what it's done to our God? Can we ponder that and realize that when we sin, we break his heart? I was their husband and they broke the covenant. There's a word for that, isn't there? It's unfaithfulness. And we read, that Jeremiah describes this covenant relationship. And I I guess I'm trying to set this up so that you understand that what the old covenant was supposed to be was a relationship of love between two lovers. It was supposed to be a relationship where there was intimacy, where there was willingness, where there was heart yielding one to the other. That's what it was supposed to be, like a marriage. That's what marriage is supposed to be. I over the years, I've had people um, try to tell me that when the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands, it doesn't mean that the wife has to do what the husband wants or says. And I'm trying to think, what does the word submit mean if it doesn't mean submit? But if we can get this, if we can willingly submit to our God and understand that marriage is a picture of that, and then we can understand that God knows the pain of divorce. And we need to understand this because God says that old covenant will be done away with, I will establish a new covenant. And you might think, why bother? People don't keep them. Why bother? We haven't got to describe the new covenant yet, but let's just note this. A relationship with God is only possible via covenant. God says, I'm not interested in casual relationship. I'm not interested in that. You see, God is the ultimate God of commitment. You can't have God as your friend and then have him unfriend you. If I look like there's a little bit of Facebook bitterness coming out at me right from. Now. I felt the pain, just of being unfriended on Facebook. I think one day I had 12 people unfriend me. I don't even know who they were. God will never unfriend you. Because his nature is commitment. And here Israel was not abandoned by God. They abandoned God. And so we need to understand that covenant is a commitment. That the only thing we can kind of parallel it to today is marriage. It's the closest thing we've got. And that's why we need to understand that it's not like this other word and i hear this word used today to describe marriage and i think you 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 can try and redefine this but it will just it's it's a reality that will come back it's like gravity you can you could pass a bill in parliament next week saying we no longer agree with gravity and you can scold gravity you can tell gravity it is no longer to re- you know, affect its worst on those who jump off cliffs. Or you will be very ticked. But it's going to ignore you. It's going to treat you with complete disrespect. And you can redefine certain principles and concepts that govern the universe. And that is this that the highest physical intimacy between two people demands the highest commitment between those two people. And you might think, well, I'm not into bits of paper. It's not a bit of paper. It's a principle that governs the universe. The highest form of intimacy between two people demands the highest commitment between those people. That's why sex before marriage is not only wrong, it's bad. It's not only wrong and bad, it's unwise and it's unhelpful. So that's why covenant is different to a contract. I remember... Preparing a couple for marriage, and I'm, uh, this is years ago, and I said to them you 've got to understand when you 're entering into this you 're going to be vowing to each other till death do us part This marriage relationship you 're entering into is for life that 's why that 's why divorce is not an option, and they said to me. Oh, the guy said to me. Actually, the guy said, "Yeah, you're right. Divorce is not an option. It's it's only a last resort." <laughs> That's a contract. A contract is you break it, I'm out of here. This is your, you do this, you do this. You bang, 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 contract over. Contract period of time. You know, as as I don't want to be. S- I'm just going to say it. There are some parts of the world now. I think the Netherlands, where they've actually brought in contractual marriage. You can be married for five years and then choose to renew it or not. Oh, you just think. Look, once you start redefining things, you just go into greater depths of silliness. So, a contract is, it's a covenant is different in kind and in obligation to a contract. Um, it's an amazing thing when you make a commitment, when you make a decision, that there's that there's a certain empowering once you've made that emotionally to help you to keep it. It's one of the reasons why I think when a, when a couple prepares for marriage, one of the things that we will take a little bit of time over is is helping them to understand the vows they're about to make to each other. And I've I've done this I do this with every couple. I say I want you to notice that nowhere in any of the government literature. Do I have to test to see if you love each other? Because love is not a prerequisite for marriage. But notice this, that when you marry, it's in your vow that you will. You will love. In fact, part of the vow is to cherish. And we need to ponder these vows because they are the obligations of a covenant. When you enter into a covenant with God, you enter into a covenant where you say you will cherish him as your God. And if you think that means give him some thought when it's convenient, try doing that when you're married with your spouse. Because marriage, as I said, is the closest thing we've got to what a covenant is all about. So note this, a covenant was for life. It had certain benefits and certain penalties. If we had the time, we'd go through Genesis 28-32, where Jacob and Laban form a covenant. And we have these two forming a covenant where they say, let us come together, let us agree, let us get the witnesses, let us bring the animal. And so they do that. And as the reader, we're probably looking at this going, Witnesses? Agreement? Animals? Can't you just shake hands and be done with it? Because that's how we do things. But these guys, Jacob and Laban, they come together. They've got the animal there. They both put their hands on it. One of them's got a dagger. And one of them will say, we are about to form a covenant with each other. What's yours is now mine. What's mine is now yours. If ever you are under threat, I will come to your aid. I will now be known by your name. You will now be known by my name. They'll take that dagger, they'll make an incision somewhere, probably on their wrist, just to cut, just to get the blood flowing. They'll join hands. You've probably seen it in the Western movies, Blood Brother thing. It's that covenant. Our blood now flows together. My blood flows through your blood. Your blood flows through my blood. Then they take that dagger, both hands on the animal. And if either of us break this covenant, dagger under the throat, if you squeamish, don't look, and they will <laughs> sacrifice the animal. So let that be done to us if we break this covenant. They would then exchange weapons. He'd give him his bow and arrow and he might take off his sword and give him his sword. From that point on, Jacob is known as Jacob, the one in covenant with Laban. Laban is known as Laban, the one in covenant with Jacob. Or they would blend their names such as when Abram formed a covenant with Yahweh, Abraham, God's name and Abram's name. And God became known as the God of Abraham. Their names blended. And so there's this element of covenant. You've got to understand that when Jesus Christ died on the cross to establish the new covenant with us, with you, he had his wrists pierced. And Isaiah says, your name is in that piercing. Your name is engraved in his wrist, the prophet Isaiah says. He died on that cross to show the penalty of breaking the covenant. He died on that cross as the sacrifice. He shed his blood so that his blood would wash over us. All the elements of the covenant. We are now known not just by our name, but as Christian. Christian means slave of Christ. We belong to Christ. Therefore, we now do, according to Colossians, do everything in the name of the Lord. We now represent him. So the covenant had certain benefits, protection, property, companionship, and it also had certain penalties. Now, the old covenant had a certain set of agreements that these were known as laws. And we read here in that previous verse, That Israel did not keep them. They broke them. They broke the laws. And so Israel had failed to keep these agreements. That's what Jeremiah accuses them of. They had failed to keep these laws. We read in the next verse, verse 33. But this, for this, but this, is the covenant that I will make the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people it's not that the new covenant this new covenant that Jesus has initiated for us has no law there's a big fancy word for that and I'll be very impressed with anyone's Knows the word, it's antinomianism. Anti, against or without, nomos is the Greek word for law. It's not the Christianity. It's not the grace means you're saved by grace. Go and do whatever you want. That's not what the gospel's about. The gospel is now that God takes His law and look where He writes it. Where does He write it? On our heart. But here's the beautiful thing. You see, the heart speaks of desire. The, the heart, not just the head, the heart says, I want to. I want to. But get this, that's not the only thing that God does in your heart. He doesn't just write his law in your heart. He lives in your heart. It's not just the law you've got written on your heart. You've got the author there. This is the new covenant, yep. so it's not just oh, I so wanted to murder someone today. <laughs> oh, that <lore."> law! <laughs> I know that's not our heart, because He's written it in our heart. He's changed our desires. We want to live for Him. We want to love Him. The next verse says, and this is oh, this is amazing. And no longer shall each Teach Each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. No more shall each one teach his neighbor. Very, very careful words in neighbor and brother. The one who lives right next to you and the one who lives in your house. No more shall you teach them, for they shall know. And this is the interesting thing that that children growing up in in a home where mum and dad love Jesus. And mum and dad don't compromise on loving Jesus. And mum and dad speak well of Jesus and his church. And mum and dad will just honour Jesus and his people and mum and dad will demonstrate the love of God and mum and dad will demonstrate their love for God and his word. They will show their children the law written on their heart that says we love Jesus. It's funny how that's contagious. Mm, It's funny how kids don't need anything more than to see mum and dad really loving Jesus. No more will they have to be taught because they'll see it. They'll know. They'll know. They'll know. Does this mean you don't need teachers? No, it's not. Don't take it out of its context. But it's saying that when you encounter somebody who's really genuine, you know there's something different about them. And that's the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. But notice this. This covenant was to be formed with Israel and Judah, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. This covenant was for Israel first. This is not saying, I'm finished with Israel, there's no further purpose for it. No, it's to say, Israel, you you were my people and I extend to you now first offer on the new covenant. And here's the little known fact today. There are more Jewish Christians today than there are non-Christian Christians. Jews today. God's purpose. You need to appreciate this. But God said he would do something in his people that he separated ethnically. And he's, he did it and he's doing it. Now, some of them refer to themselves as Messianic Jews. The Bible uses a different word. It uses the word Christian. To describe them. God's doing something. So notice this. The new covenant was to replace the old one. And, and, and the new one was to be spiritual in nature. It's in our hearts. It's not about priests wearing costumes. It's not about bells and smells and candles and animals being sacrificed. It's not about that. It's about what God does in your heart. But notice this also. This new covenant would bring about, it says in verse 34, forgiveness of sin. And the new covenant says that's what Jesus has done. He has forgiven your sins. And your, the forgiveness of your sins is only possible if you enter into the new covenant. And And just as the old covenant had animal sacrifice after animal sacrifice after animal sacrifice, after animal sacrifice there's one sacrifice that's been made in the new covenant, and that's Jesus. And he shed his blood, his blood to establish the new covenant. What, we, what I didn't emphasize as I read this, if you go back over and look at it, it says, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with them, I took them, I will be there. I was their husband, I will put my law in their hearts, I will be their God. Notice everything is, and if I do this, you've got to do none of that. It's not I will do my bit, you do your bit, it's I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that was not God saying, Well, okay, it's not me now, it's my son doing. It. No, it's God. It's God dying in our place that we can be forgiven. Taking the full penalty and carrying that huge word, propitiation. The object of divine wrath against sin. And Jesus became that for us. And if your eyes glaze over and you yawn and you look at your watch going, what's for lunch? Then, oh, God help us. And no one's doing that, by the way. But God help us if that's our heart. And our heart has got to be... Oh God, I have not appreciated this like I should. God, if I could just appreciate this even just a little bit more, I don't think I could keep it within me. I would have to tell somebody. Because this is what the world is craving for, longing for, aching for. So this new covenant is by God's effort alone. God does it. There's a big word for that. It's called monergism. God does it all. Mono, God, er, ergism, work. God does all the work. That's why we spell religion, D-O, what you do. And that's why we spell Christianity, D-O-N-E. It's all been done. Christ has done it all for us. But notice this, the new covenant is written on hearts. It changes hearts. It changes your heart. You get a new desire. And I know we can come to church and our hearts can be a million miles away. But remember this, the new covenant is everything about what God has done in our hearts. In our hearts. The new covenant changes our hearts. And here's the question. And I hope, despite my inadequate ability to present it, I hope that you can see Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. I don't care if you've been a Christian 80 years. I don't care. It's so easy. It's too easy to take that for granted. It's too easy to become blasé about that. It's too easy to lose our sense of thankfulness about that. We need to know Jesus Christ as Saviour. And here's the question. Because maybe for you, you don't take it. For granted. Maybe for you, this is your quest right now. You know there's something wrong with the world. There's something wrong in your own heart and you long and you ache to find peace with God. You would like to have your sins forgiven. I don't know what you've done. I don't know who you've done it with. I don't know how being in church today makes you feel. I hope you feel relaxed and at home because we're all guilty Sinners who, for the most part, we've been forgiven. But maybe you haven't experienced God's forgiveness. Here's the offer. This is what Jeremiah was talking about. You can have your sins forgiven. You can know peace with God. One prayer. One prayer. A prayer that just invites God to forgive you of your sin and for Jesus Christ to come and live in your heart. One prayer. One prayer.
0: The New Covenant is the effort of God alone and given by grace alone. The New Covenant changes a person's heart. More from Dr. Corbett next week with Israel's National Purpose. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, The New Covenant, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters.